Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. NFL Draft Night 2. Hello, Bengals fans. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you live as the second round is close to being done. It's getting getting close. There's a handful more picks here in the second round, and then the Bengals will be on the clock in just a little bit. Some very intriguing names still on the clock. Happy to have everybody with us. We're sorry we kept switching up the times. We've got a lot of things going on, both on this show at CincyJungle.com. A lot of balls in the air, but we wanted to get to you to talk about the Higgins pick, talk about what's ahead for the Bengals, and talk about some of the best available players here and and get you caught up on some of the uh, most recent picks. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. John, uh, another big night here. The Bengals already made made a big statement at number 33. Yeah, and I'm happy that they stayed put. Um, I think we expected them to go with maybe a different player, but I think the overall indication was it's going to be an offensive player. And if it wasn't going to be, you know, off tackle is probably going to be a receiver. It, it wasn't the receiver that I think a lot of us expected. But I think when you think about what they value at receiver and what they kind of want to build right now and who kind of fits with the quarterback that they just took, I think the pick makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so the pick was T. Higgins at number 33 overall. The Bengals tried to move back out of that spot and potentially – collect more picks. They probably had a, quite a few guys that they viewed as similar in terms of value uh, for the next, you know, 10, 11 picks. Some of the guys that a lot of us felt like they were maybe going to look at Josh Jones and, uh, you know, Zach Bonds, guy, AJ Epinesa as of right now with pick number 53 on the board, the Eagles uh, with the pick coming in. All of those guys are still available with the Bengals just a, a dozen picks away from being on the clock. So that's kind of an interesting development. The Bengals could get a another good player, a second-round talent, maybe even a fringe first-round talent by some eyes in the top of the third round, which is, again, what you want. But the Bengals tried to move back. They got T. Higgins. Let's talk about Higgins before we talk about what could be coming down the pike for the Bengals. You mentioned the team was probably looking at wide receiver all along in the second round, maybe the third round, but they wanted a wide receiver. They wanted a guy with size. They wanted a guy with physicality. And they wanted a guy that could high point the ball and get into the end zone. And they selected Higgins. Obviously, he excels at all those parts. There are some concerns. There were there were a group of a number of players, a number of wide receivers they could have looked at. Higgins being one. Michael Pittman being another. Michael Pittman, by the way, went one pick after to the Colts. Um you know, you've got Denzel Mims, who as of this point is still on the board himself. So you like the pick, John. Let's talk about it. What do you, what do you like about Higgins and his fit with the Bengals offense? 
Right. And everything that you just said about Higgins, I think you could also equally apply to Denzel Mims. And I think that's what Bengals fans largely prefer at the receiver position. He was more productive at Baylor. He tested much better as an athlete. There just seemed to be less risk with Mims. Mims has yet to go off the board, and Higgins was projected to be a fringe first-round player. Maybe a guy who sneaks into the first. Obviously, Bengals had a higher grade on him. And I think everything that you know you like about Mims, you also get kind of that with, with Higgins as well. You don't get you know a 4-3 type um, player with, with that speed. You don't get as much flexibility in his route running. I think you, you get a younger player who, you know, relative to his age, produced pretty well at Clemson. Um, but I think the, the age here is important because guys that young, if, if they don't, if they don't test extremely well, which he didn't, he didn't test really well as pro day. He tested with less than 50, 50 the, uh, less than the 50, 50th per. Wow. The fifth. Wow. A, a, a below average athlete. Wow. I cannot talk right now. Um, he just, just has a below average athlete in terms of speed and explosion. That kind of worries you for just long-term potential at the position. But I think when you trust the tape, you trust what he does well on the field, the, the fact that. On the field, he he plays more uh, vertically and can run away from guys and stack cornerbacks with ease. He has great run after a catch ability. There are some drop issues, but you also had that with Nims as well. So I think this came down to a preference thing. I think obviously the the one thing that we had, we we didn't really realize is that Higgins was a Bengals fan. He has he he idolizes AJ Green. He had a great connection with Zach Taylor when they met with him. I think that was heavily influenced his pick to a certain degree. Um, I, for what they wanted to do. I think the player is fine. This isn't at all a Drew Sample type situation. Maybe you're like, maybe they could have traded back and still got Higgins as well. I think it was smart to stay put, get a guy that you were confident in from just a film perspective and just an overall upside considering his age and, and how he was trending up from a production standpoint. So there's slight, there's a little bit more risk with him, but I think for what they wanted to do, for what they like to do, I think the pick is fine. Look, there is a, there is a profile of Clemson wide receivers that has come out recently, whether it's Sammy Watkins, whether it is New Hopkins, whether it's Mike Williams, they're big, they're physical. They don't, they don't, they're not burners. Um, I mean, they could stretch the field a little bit, but what they don't have in speed, they're able to win at the point of attack. They're able to come down with the football in those contested catch situations that they find themselves in because they don't have the burning speed. New Hopkins, four, four, five, seven, combine speed uh in the 40 yard dash right not a burner Mm. arguably the best receiver in the nfl mike williams a very good wide receiver and a guy who just comes down with the football at any given opportunity with the chargers sammy watkins injuries have have plagued him a bit but he's also a big play guy and a big bodied receiver look i if you were to tell if you were to say pick one of these three in terms of mims Pittman and Higgins. I would probably say because of the testing, Higgins would have fallen third in that short list for me at 33 sure. uh, at thirty three overall. I, that does not mean I don't dislike the pick. I like the pick a lot, and here's why, John. Uh, the traits aside from winning winning points, point of the attack, high pointing the ball, and coming down with the tough catches aside, I like the pick because I think you alluded to it a second ago. Higgins has been working out with Joe Burrow in Southern California with Jordan Palmer. There's already a little bit of a rapport there. So how much of it? It's practices, it's drills, who knows? But there is a little bit of a rapport there. These guys know each other. They've worked out together. They've got some some form of a cadence down, which rookie quarterback to rookie wide receiver in a questionable situation when you when it comes to training camp, when it comes to all that kind of stuff, when guys can practice together, that makes a difference. The other thing I like, John, Red zone, the red zone, the possible red zone opportunities. 
Auden Tate, 6'5", T. Higgins, 6'3", 6'4", A.J. Green, 6'4", C.J. Uzama, 6'6". I mean, you, you line these guys up, and the Bengals will spread, will go spread formation quite a bit, multiple wide receiver looks quite a bit, because that's what Burrow did at LSU. And with these sized players, they will be able to throw jump balls. They'll be able to get guys in the end zone and score touchdowns and not settle for field goals. That is why I like this this play or the play for Higgins at thirty three. You know, not not the guy I would have handpicked, but I'll take it. And I think that this offense is moving in a very exciting direction. You you alluded to the two main points here. One, like people were were saying that receiver was not an immediate need. You know, they already have three or four receivers on the depth chart that you're comfortable with. For starters, two of those guys can't stay healthy. AJ Green, unfortunately, at this point, if he stays healthy for an entire year, it would be a surprise. John Ross, the same thing. Both those guys have one year's left, one year left on their deals. Anyways, when both those guys are out, you lose all vert- verticality in the passing game. Teagans may not be a burner, but he does, he is a proven receiver in that regard. And also, if you look at Joe Burrow's offense, where he where he thrives, exactly like you said. Four or five receivers, empty sets. Like you need depth at that position. So not only will T. Higgins, will T. Higgins be able to contribute immediately with some significant snaps in those type of sets, like you said, he'll be he'll be effective in the red zone. He he's an obvious mismatch to any cornerback who's under you know six foot. But yeah, you, you need depth at receiver. You need long term stability. You need that immediate spark plug in terms of just getting vertical at the position when Ross and Green are not on the field. Which at this point you just can't count on both of them to stay healthy at the same time. It makes sense from an immediate perspective. It makes sense from a long-term perspective. It, it, and if you have any guy that you want to be the the air replacement for AJ Green, even if it doesn't happen in 2021, say the Bengals sign him to a three-year extension or a three-year deal this offseason, you have him for three years. Then Teagans is like 25 or 24 when he's up for a new extension. You let Green move on to you know either retire, or move on to some other team, and then you have Higgins, you know, prepared. Learning under Green's, uh, learning under his wing for three or four years, a guy that he idolized. I, there, there's just not a lot of better situations that you could dream of for the Bengals from a long-term perspective. And if Green happens to not come back in 2021, then you would take the risk that Higgins is ready to go in his second year because it's tough to rely on receivers in the rookie year. And you, you want a guy that you're comfortable with going into the se- to a second year. Higgins will be 22 years old by then. Maybe he develops more more as an athlete. But you like the things he does well now, and you like the fact that he's young enough to still develop into a better player. So a couple of major questions here, John. Our good buddy Zim Hude asked an interesting one. And uh, there, there was another from Holy Moly Donut Shop that I want to get to right now. Zim Hude, just more of a short-term kind of look at things. Anthony, who can match up with us? Well, kind of feeding into that is a, a look at some of the recent picks here. You look at some of the things. Here's the last few picks. Chase Claypool going to the Steelers. That's not on defense, obviously, but an interesting pick that they get another big-bodied, quick wide receiver, a project guy, but uh, a guy that they have to be excited to be pairing with Juju Smith-Schuster nonetheless. And I go back a few picks uh, here, John. Look at what Cleveland did at 44 overall. Grant Delpit, a guy that they that can play in coverage, come up and play, uh, you know, make plays in the box as well. And then just a couple of other interesting things. The Eagles surprisingly took Jalen Hurts at the end of the second round. Buffalo Bills took A.J. Epinesa, a guy the Bengals were probably hoping fell to them at 65. But to answer Zim Hude's question, um, you know, you've got the Steelers who do have Mika Fitzpatrick, a dynamic playmaker on defense that they traded for last year. The, the Browns added Delpit. 
they have they have greedy Williams. They also uh, have the the kid that they drafted Ward from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, they, teams are the AFC North may be doing a little chess moves here in terms of uh, how they you know the fact that they got to play each other a couple of times a year. But um, you know, it's the size. It's the size that Higgins brings in that group with Tate, with Green, with Uzama. I mean. It's it's size and it's winning at the point of attack. So that's to me that Zim asked a good question. It's going to be hard to line up against these guys with their size and the ability to high point the ball. And also, if you watch Joe Burrow's best throws and his where most of his production came from, it was those vertical routes on those back shoulder throws. There's nobody yep. in this class. Yep. Even even Denzel Denzel Mims' best trait was his his jump mobility. And I, I still think it comes a little more compared to T. Higgins. Obviously, he had a little bit more drops issues, but in terms of contorting his body, the balance in the air, the, the timing with his jumps, the spatial awareness to, to stay in bounds, he he was that guy for Clemson. And, I know, and some people were a little bit concerned with the fact that Justin Ross, who's actually younger than Higgins, is going to be probably first-round pick next year. He was kind of the, the, the focal point of that offense, right? It, it wasn't like Higgins was this dominating force, even though he produced a lot of volume stats for them. But he still had 27 touchdowns and really only two years of playing only eclipsed a thousand yards once. So the volume production doesn't exactly tell the whole story with his production because he was technically the number two guy there. But again, the youth, the traits that already exist, the fact that he can run a lot better than you would think in the open field, like that national championship game, there was one play, I think he was like on an, on an end around or reverse. And once he had his full steam ahead, it was just, it, it looked like LSU's defense has a, a bunch of first, you know, talented players there that can tackle. Like Higgins just ran over like just a bunch of them. It was just such a, a surprise to see him on that on that big stage two years in a row now. Experience in the college football playoff. Obviously, they won one, but I think that was value with them. I think the fact that he fits very well with the quarterback that is now r- running the show, it, it just all makes a lot of sense. So here's the question of the day with Higgins in the fold. I've seen a couple people saying AJ's gone, AJ's going to get traded, that sort of thing. To me, this pick is not about – it's not about getting rid of A.J. Green this year. To me, this pick is we're not sure what's happening with A.J. Green after 2020 because, number one, he was hurt. He's, exactly. been, he's been hurt. Number two, we're keeping him for 2020 on a rental deal. Yeah, we'd probably like to extend him to help the cap situation out a bit, but they they don't know what's going to happen with A.J. Green. The hope is he's back to Hall of Fame type of play with the Bengals in 2020, he stays healthy, plays 13 plus games with the team and really helps their offense get back, get back on track. But with him being hurt with John Ross, continuing to have injury issues, it's difficult to sit there and say, Hey, we're fine at these positions. Those guys are back and they'll be healthy this year. This is what I like about this pick last year. The Bengals relied on a lot of ifs. If we're healthy, we're going to be good. If this guy plays well, we're going to be good. If John Ross takes, it's a lot of ifs. Now they're not, they're not relying on that. They're they're saying, right. you know, not only are we setting ourselves up for the future, but some of these position groups were ravaged by injuries last year, and we simply cannot afford that. You look at what they did in free agency at defensive back. Cornerbacks were ravaged by injury last year. Wide receiver, the same thing. Uh, you know, a ton of guys ended on IR, A.J. Green included. So to me, I, I and I don't know if you disagree, I think A.J. Green is here to stay. 2020 it's not so much he's going to be traded this year it's going to be what happens after 20 is this just going to be a rental deal and hey thanks for everything you've done we're going to move on or you know we'll extend you for a two three year deal and continue to develop Higgins making him one of our focal points 
this is just how good teams draft. They, they look beyond just this year and even the next year. Like, receiver was eventually going to be a need, even with the, the immediate issues of John Ross and A.J. Green continuing to not stay healthy. Like like I said, if, if, a, if the scenario is you have Higgins as not your number one, maybe he develops into your number two in the offense. But if, he, if he's not your number one for two or three years and then you have Green for that amount of time, he develops, he, he matures, he gets even better and he doesn't have the production that's indicative of getting a market-setting deal, then Green retires, then you have Higgins basically groomed to take over him on a deal that the Bengals would, would be willing to pay, that's the perfect scenario in their mind. Like, And Zach Taylor was very adamant in saying, like, this has nothing to do with the current contract negotiations of Green. I don't completely buy that. I think, like you said, there is some, there is at least some uncertainty that they're going to be able to reach a deal, and then they have to have an answer for Green if he leaves next year. And if that's the case, then I think, again, they're just going to put their chips on you know, betting on Higgins to be that guy. But I think in their mind, it's exactly that. You have Green, hopefully until he retires. At that point, Higgins is still in his mid-20s. You get him on a deal that you can afford, and he becomes the receiver that you expect him to be. He may he may not be that right now. And that's why I think a lot of people, a lot of people like myself, preferred Mims because he could have a more immediate impact because he's older, he was more proven, he's more athletic. If, if excuse me, Higgins develops into what they believe he can be if the if, if the coaching staff and, and the player is is, is, is is as cohesive of a relationship as we think it is then this is going to be a great pick for the long run a little bit of an update in terms of what's happening in the draft as we stream to you live through round two this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast streaming on the cincy jungle facebook page as well as our own youtube page so thanks for joining us you can get this program if you're not joining us live or if you want to re-listen to us please do you can get it on itunes stitcher spotify google play megaphone i mentioned youtube iHeartRadio, and all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com also the website to keep it to for all of the news opinions analysis and everything happening with the nfl draft and the cincinnati Bengals. Very interesting move by the Baltimore Ravens taking Ohio State running back. J.K. Dobbins, a dynamic player. Um, so another big acquisition. I guess they're all big acquisitions when you're talking about AFC North rivals. But a another big acquisition. They have uh, Mark Ingram They in uh, another of a bunch of stable a stable of running backs. And they like to use that RPO system and, and kind of fool defenses with Lamar Jackson back there. So... A very interesting move. J.K. Dobbins is a dynamic playmaker, so that's going to be trouble for the Cincinnati Bengals and, and other teams in the in the AFC North going forward. So uh, the hotline's ringing there for you, John. You gotta you gotta get that, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think next now, I mean, where we where we should transition to, the Dolphins pick is in at fifty six. The Rams are on the board at 57, so we are just a handful of picks away as it currently stands for the Bengals to be on the clock at number 65. As it stands right now, Josh Jones, the offensive tackle out of Houston, is on the board. Zach Bond is on the board. We'll see what happens with Miami here. But a couple of uh, – A.J. Epinesa just went off the board to Buffalo, but a couple of really interesting players that you know a lot of people felt would be the pick at 33, could be the pick at 65. Where do you think the Bengals go here coming up, John? They've addressed offense with their first two picks, skill position offense. They've, they have they have made it known they want an edge rusher. They've I've talked about it a bunch of times. They've flirted with a bunch of edge rushers the past two off seasons combined, never really struck a deal for a rotational guy. 
where do you think they go here? I'm inclined to think just need-wise, you're going to look at an edge player, a linebacker, a guy that gives you versatility there. But with everything they've done in free agency, with the defensive line, the, the you know, DJ Reader, the trio of defensive backs they brought in, I, I'm kind of inclined to think they're going to continue to support the quarterback. It, it's, it, it'll depend on who's there. And uh, honestly, I have no idea what's going on with Josh Jones right now. Like, I mean, there was talks about people had him as a third round player, but for him to fall this far is is surprising. Even the, even the dolphins who needed multiple tackles after they took a tackle last night, they just passed on him for Raekwon Davis, who is just one of those typical Alabama defensive linemen. I agree with you though. I think if Vaughn is there, he's probably my prediction for the pick. I think Jeff Hobson predicted that he would be the second round pick, but then a couple weeks ago when Dave Lapham was talking with Dan Horde, um, he, he was a guy that he thought could slide all the way to round three. And that, this was before it was announced that he had a diluted sample at the combine, which yeah, according yeah. to the players was not going to, was not going to affect his draft stock. And now here we are 56 into the draft and he still has yet to hear that call. So if he's there, I think he becomes one of those targets. If, if it's not him, I think it, it could be Logan Wilson, the linebacker at Wyoming. It could be, it could be, it could be Josh Jones. It could even be, I don't even think Ezra Cleveland has been drafted yet. It has not. He is not. Josh Uchi yeah. is also available. Uh, the yeah. other, the other interesting, uh, the other interesting situation could be uh, the other interesting situation could be in um, you know there's Matabuke, the the defensive tackle out of A and M. Uh, you know they they may want to continue to beef up that defensive line. Uh, you know who knows what the fit is there, but that could be. Uh, someone that they like again i i think as i as i personally thought when we did our pre-draft show on wednesday i think they want guys that bring them positional versatility that's why i think aj epinesa had yeah. he had he moved in uh, had he fallen to 65 i think that that would have been a really good pick a guy that can move around the defensive line in a lot of different areas and be effective I think Bond makes sense because they like the off-ball ability and potential, but they also like him him with his hand in the dirt. The other thing I want to say, and we mocked him in the second round in our first mock draft a while yeah. ago based on their interest in him at the Senior Bowl. What about Terrell Lewis? Is this good value for mm -hmm. Terrell Lewis, the Alabama edge kind of edge defender, and the Bengals could potentially use him in a similar way with Bond, they seem to be really enamored with Terrell Lewis. Um, you know, th that could be a guy they look at, or is 65 still not good value for him at that point? Right. I think there was a report that half the league failed uh, Lewis's medical. He suffered a lot of injuries in Alabama. Yeah. If the Bengals really do have that big of interest, I'm assuming they're the one that they're one of the teams that didn't fail him. But obviously, you know, trust the Bengals and, you know, evaluating injuries is never really their forte. So, he, yeah, he's definitely he, – I would say he's probably going to be a part of that conversation as well. He may be – but if he, if he doesn't go there, he might slip to the fourth round depending on just the uncertainty of that medical. So – um, and, and we're getting comments like how Josh Jones's tape wasn't good. I don't agree with that at all. And I definitely <laughs> do think that the Bengals, I, I do saw, we did, the Bengals did see him at the senior bowl and dominate the North team and dominate against where they had inner, inner squad practices. And he had a great week down there. There's no way that they have a, that much of a negative opinion on him. I think they just had a good feeling that the league was too, you know, flip floppy on him as a prospect. And that's why this, this slide is in, I think he's still going to be a part of that conversation. If it's not him, 
it, I, I honestly don't know who they're going to go off. I don't think Cleveland, Ezra Cleveland fits exactly what Jim Turner is looking for at offensive line. I think you, you want a more, uh, you know, projecting what he likes. I think you want a guy who's maybe a little more nastier, probably has big, bigger hands and maybe can run a little more power, but it, it's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, like you said, Lewis is going to be there. Uh, Logan Wilson again at, at linebacker, maybe even Malik Harrison. If I'm going to make a prediction, it's going to be a guy at the senior bowl. That's, that's the one thing I'll yeah. say. I completely agree. I think that Josh Jones, if you if I, I don't know who it was, it said that he'd had poor tape or something, but that to me, that's just inaccurate. Uh, at least what I saw. And if you want to, if you want to even consult, if you think I'm an idiot, which I am, but if you want to consult the people at pro football focus, they loved what they saw to Josh Jones, the concerns, John, that I, from what I understand, the concerns are the short arms and the concerns are he's a little older. Um, his arms are longer than Jonah Williams. Right, that right, was, that was, right. That's, what, that's what Dave Lavin right. said last night. Like, oh, I'm concerned about his arm length. Like, if it wasn't a problem for Williams, it's not a problem for Jones. I, I totally, I was just gonna, yeah, I totally agree. The other, the other facet to it, you know, some teams may say, well, who they play. When I did my prospect watch on him, I mean, I saw him going up against Oklahoma, I saw him going up against some top tier talent. So it's not like he was playing you know, uh, division two schools left and right. He's, he was playing quite a bit of, you know, high end teams on Saturday. So I, to me, I, I, that's probably my preference if he's there, especially with how poorly the offensive line has played over the past couple of years, you have an opportunity here to potentially have, if Jonah Williams pans out, if you get Josh Jones, you have an opportunity here to potentially have a, Whitworth, Willie Anderson, Levi Jones, Willie Anderson, a, a really good tackle tandem that you could put together mm-hmm. with this team and really, really support your franchise quarterback. I'm going to tell you, Carson Palmer was a, a pretty outstanding quarterback for this team for quite a while. You know what was in front of him? Two guys I just mentioned, Levi Jones, Willie Anderson, and oh, Bob, by the way, Bobby Williams, Eric Steinbach, etc. So if, if you really want to protect this asset, and Joe Burrow, uh, to, I, I think you got to really – I know linebacker is a pressing, pressing need. I know getting after the quarterback is at a premium, but protecting your quarterback is a premium. I We've got a few more picks here. I don't know if he's going to end up lasting there. Minnesota's on the clock. That could be a team that looks at an offensive lineman here too. But um, that that to me, if, if you're going pecking order, I like, I like Bond in the third round especially – I like some of these other guys, but to me, I think if Josh Jones is there, unless there's something wild about him that nobody really knows about, that seems to be like a no-brainer 65 pick. Uh, Van Jefferson just got picked by the Rams of wide receivers, so that's at least, what, now 12 receivers that got picked? (laughs) Something has to be wrong with Mims. Like, something has to be. I don't know. I, I think with Jones, it was more of an evaluation thing. People had him either in the late first round or even in the third round. That's kind of why he's sliding. I didn't see anything about Denzel Mims going into the third round this late in the process. Something has no. to be up with him that we just don't know about. Yeah, it's it's very, very surprising. And and the fact that Van Jefferson and, – and Van Jefferson was another – correct me if I'm wrong. Van Jefferson was another impressive kid at the Senior Bowl, was he not? Um, mm-hmm. he, was, he was one of those guys in that wide receiver group that really showed off at, at the Senior Bowl. So, you know, that – that has really those performances have really helped certain wide receivers that have been drafted in the second round. You know, you you look at uh, you look at Pittman, you look at 
at Van Jefferson here, those are two guys that really stood out at the senior, senior bowl and really have helped their stock from maybe a mid round guy to, to second round here. So um, interesting there. Yeah. But I, I would never have dreamt even with the performance that Van Jefferson put out at the senior bowl, that he would have been drafted ahead of Denzel Mims because Denzel Mims was a guy who just showed up a lot at that same, <laughs> that same, uh, scouting event right yeah and Ezra Cleveland just went to the Vikings so that's yep. another tackle ahead of uh Josh Jones I will say this because now we're I think six or five picks away from the start of the third round if Josh Jones does get picked in that time frame and the Bengals wanted him I think a backup is Ben Barch another guy at the senior bowl who, who again dominated like like you said you know Josh Jones had you know he played against social competition but he dominated the senior bowl Ben Ben Barch went to St. John's. I didn't, I thought it was like St. John's, the basketball program from New York. It was St. John's from Minnesota. It was D three, and he just he just stood his ground at the Senior Bowl, and and I think a lot of Bengals, the Bengals personnel definitely noticed that he was even a guy that Duke Tobin uh, talked about when he was on the Senior Bowl broadcast while they were broadcasting the practice. So if they want to go O line here, and Josh Jones remains off the board, or even if they don't even like Josh Jones, like I guess the most the NFL does, I think Ben Barch becomes a possibility there. What do you think of value for Ben Barge at the top of the third at that point? Do you think that that is – do you think that's fair value? Do you think that that is a little bit of a reach? I mean, I, I guess I guess what I'm asking is value-wise, if, if say, Jones is out of the picture, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, you've, if your decision comes down to Ben Barch, if your decision comes down to Zach Bond, if your decision comes down to maybe a Logan Wilson – what 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 do you think is kind of the the best value there if you're if you're sitting in the in the GM seat there, John? So, Barch currently would be my top rated guard, but he also has tackle versatility. Just like Bond is my top rated edge, but he has linebacker versatility. Um, looking at other players like um, you mentioned, Justin Matabuki, he would be my top rated three technique. And apparently they were interested in Ross Blacklock, the TCU three technique right. at the top of the second round. Uh, you still have Akeem Davis Gaither, Willie Gay Jr., Malik Harrison, along with Logan Wilson at linebacker. Uh, again, you still have Denzel Mims if you want to double dip a receiver, which I don't think they're going to do. No. Uh, so, yeah, Bart would be Bart would be just like in that, you know, outside the first handful of guys that I would prefer. But if they went that route, I think it'd be, that is like the, the ceiling of his, whatever his perceived range would go to. And I think he fits a lot of, of what they would look at compared to some other offensive linemen that, that are still on the board. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
You're listening to the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We are a few picks away from the Bengals taking the clock again at number 65 overall. At number 33 overall, the Cincinnati Bengals selected Clemson wide receiver T. Higgins, a guy who did not test very well, but whose film shows out amazing and uh, really should be a good addition to the wide receiver core with Joe Burrow under center now. You can get this show in a variety of different ways. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, YouTube, CincyJungle.com. We thank you for all the support. We have had, literally, guys, you guys have been downloading this show, whether it's video, whether it's audio, whether it's our programs, the Orange is the New Black podcast by Zim Huday and Ace Boogie, or Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk episodes where he does film review and or when he breaks down other elements of players in the NFL draft, interviews, all that stuff. You guys, I mean, it, literally, we are at thousands of downloads per day that you guys are are taking in our material, which is just incredible. We've given you over the past week and a half over 20 episodes of stuff, so we've thrown a lot at you, but we appreciate all of the support. We appreciate all the viewership, the listenership. Can't thank you enough. We've got a lot more to get to. We're only two rounds into the NFL draft. Not even two full rounds yet. So we've got a lot more to get to, and we'll be bringing you more throughout the weekend, not only on this show, but at cincyjungle.com. So keep it there for, for more coverage. The Jets are on the clock here at number 59 overall. The pick is in. We'll see what happens. This could be an interesting pick. because It actually they, got leaked. Is it, is it Bond? Uh, it is not Bond, but it's somebody that we've talked about. Okay. So Do you we, want to be surprised? Do you want me to tell you? I will, I will be surprised, I guess. Uh, All right, so don't look at the chat because I think it's already been in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, eyes up, eyes up. Uh, so biggest needs going forward, John. What do you if sure. you were to, if you were to rank them? Where, where would you put put the the biggest needs? And you can separate linebacker from edge, obviously, if you want. You know, if you want to talk more in, mm-hmm. inside linebacker as opposed to edge, that sort of thing. But where where would you kind of rank their needs? I know they like to go BPA, but we're after quarterback, wide receiver, what should be at the top of the list here? I think still offensive line. Um, you have two spots that you could you could. Take a guy at this third round pick, and he could probably compete at both of them. I think that would be the ideal scenario, whether it's Josh Jones, whether it's Ben Barch, whatever. I think, yeah, offensive line at right guard, right tackle is still the biggest need. Um, then you're looking at, I think, honest, in all honesty, I think edge might be a bigger need than linebacker. Not, not just uh, even ignoring positional value, which obviously edge is more valuable than linebacker. But I think when you combine also where the value fits best in this class, I think. It, you, you haven't seen a lot of linebackers go off since the first round. I don't think there's even been a linebacker pick since the end of the first round, which should tell you a lot about what this class is. And I think you, you go into this season with, with Pratt and Bynes. You obviously want some type of a long-term answer beyond just Josh Bynes. But, the, you know, the value of linebacker, it, it doesn't exceed the value of edge. I guess I just kind of contradicted myself there. But I, I'm worried about their long-term depth at edge as well. They have Carl Austin entering a contract year. Um, I'm not exactly comfortable with Sam Hubbard being your second best edge rusher. I think, you know, getting a guy with, with a little more athleticism, a little more explosion as a pass rusher to get a higher pressure rate in there, that, that in my opinion, is, is a bigger need than just getting a, a guy that could just be a body at linebacker, which is essentially all they need if they build the defensive line right and if they build the secondary like they believe they did. So those three are probably be still my top three needs with maybe cornerback uh, creeping in at the fourth spot. 
Interestingly enough, as we all know, good pass rush, good edge rushers, etc., make other elements of a defense better. If you're a, if you're stout up front and you can get after the passer, it makes a lot of other players look pretty good. The Cincinnati Bengals invested a lot, not only in DJ Reader but in the secondary. Um, so maybe their plan is, like you said, John, let's get after the passer. Let's let's you know guard receivers on the back end of the field at a high level and we can mask some of the deficiencies at linebacker. Um, and they want to, they want to be, they want to be diverse on defense. I know that they want to do different things on defense. They want to have different look on defense. They want to do different things. So uh, I, I think that mm-hmm. that could play into the edge position being, uh, you know, kind of at the top of the heap there. So the jets pick is yeah. in, and uh, I guess a lot of people know it. Um, I do not yet. So let's see who it is. Roger Goodell is making the selection as we speak. Denzel Mims. Yeah, there. Okay. There okay. you go. Good pick for them. Good, good value. I just got to text my sister. How about that Mims guy? What a catch. Am I right? Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> The, the the sense of humor runs in the family. I see. I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, how dare you! <laughs> is is uh, is your sister a Bengals fan as well? My sister is a Steelers fan, as as well as my mom. Wow. Okay. That <laughs> I, I don't quite know how to react to that. Wow. Okay. I think I, I think I've already said that. It was I, I think you have. Ago, so I think you have. Yeah, they got it's kind of ringing maybe, a bell. Maybe you just repressed it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just kind of had to overlook it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that a little bit, but uh, well, you you made I would say the correct decision, but they're usually probably a bit more happy than you are. So, <laughs> given their fan allegiance, but. Uh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, so good value on Mims to the Jets here. Um, right at the end of the second round, a lot of people thought he was fringe first, um, you know, maybe even high second. So uh, it, you've, you've got no idea why he maybe fell, huh? I, I, I don't. Like, if he did have this mysterious medical issue, I feel like he would have fallen a little bit further than this. Like, the the entire the entire process after the senior bowl and comma is like Mims is probably going to go in the first round. He might be even the fourth receiver off the board, and then twelve receivers get taken ahead of him, including Dan Jefferson, who's never even dreamed of producing and testing like like Denzel Mims. So I mean, if you're a Jets fan, you get Makai Becton and Denzel Mims as your first two picks. Yeah, you got me feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. And there's uh, Adam Gase the. Big-eyed coach of the New York Jets. Interesting cat, old, old Adam Gase. Um, mm. <laughs> so here we are at uh, – oh, this will be an interesting pick here. The Patriots pick is in at number 60. Do you they traded up. Yeah, they did trade up. Do you, I, I'm, who knows what the heck they're going to do here? Obviously, Tom Brady gone. They traded away Rob Gronkowski, who was previously retired. The Patriots acquired more picks in the second and third rounds, I think, last night uh, by, by trade. They didn't have any picks in those rounds, so um, they've been slowly collecting picks. Some of us optimists maybe thought that that would be something, you know, they, so they have more picks and potentially would be maybe more willing to trade a day three pick for someone like Andy Dalton. 
but that's why this pick is interesting. Um, Jalen Hurts is off the board. Is is quarterback something? You know, is that I think Jacob Eason's still available. Um, there is, I believe, Fromm is still available. Uh, so you know, I, I might be a little high for some of those guys, but uh, let's see here. The selection is in, and it looks like it is going to be. Uchi, that's it, that Josh Uchi, the outside line. So another potential target yeah. for, the, for the Bengals um, as an edge guy. Um, this is this is I'm right. Not, on... Go ahead. I'm not too worried about that. Um, I I think Uchi's intriguing, but the fact that he didn't really produce in Michigan, the fact that I don't think he even tested. Uh, the Patriots have, have had an interesting draft. They traded out of the first. They took Kyle Duggar. He was a 24-year-old safety from a small school. Even though he's a freak athlete, he didn't even really produce at that level of competition. And then they traded it back up in the second round to take another, uh, you know, Uchi, who didn't really produce in Michigan. So, I mean, he, he was he was teammates with Chase uh, Winovich, who they drafted last year. So I guess they're pairing him back with him. But also, Uchi is a guy that I think the Bengals would have liked to have an option to take because he does provide – that same off-ball versatility as well as a guy yeah, who can provide a pass rush. So, yeah, so that's an, that's an interesting pick. I'm surprised he traded up for him. This is a very – I am too, um, especially with Zach Bond still on the board. I, you know, I, you got to wonder if that diluted urine sample from the combine is uh, making some teams balk a bit. Um, but, yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised he traded up to get him. However – I do think that uh, you know this is this is a very New England Patriot esque pick for their defense. You know, a hybrid guy, a guy that does a lot of different things. You can rush the passer. Maybe you you mine some potential to get get him to uh, play in space. So uh, very interesting. The the Patriots do have, I believe, two fourth round picks now. <laughs> um, so some of the fourth round that that may be something where the some of the optimists, the Bengals optimists are saying that, uh, you know, that's where they might use a pick on Andy Dalton. We'll see. There's, there's old Bill. I, they, they, just, they, they, they just showed the Patriots director of player personnel. And I can't imagine just a guy with an easier job who probably doesn't do anything with Bill Belichick <laughs> basically running everything. <laughs> um. Let's go back while we've got a few minutes here before the Bengals pick. Let's go back and talk about Higgins. Where do you see him in the Bengals wide receiver group? Where do you see him slated day one? I mean, I, they seem to like Auden Tate. You know, I think mm -hmm. they're, still, they're still counting on A.J. Green being the guy, right? Yeah. And – You've got John Ross that you, you want to move around. Tyler Boyd is a movable piece, primarily in the slot. I mean, where do you where do you see him? Is is he your number four receiver right away? Is he your number three receiver right away? How do you see him kind of getting into the mix early on with the Bengals? So, again, I, I think right now he's probably wide receiver five, right behind on Tay, right ahead of Alex Erickson, who, by the way, is probably worried that he might be losing his roster spot at the moment. Um but again, fans may be like, "Oh my God, we drafted the the fifth receiver on our roster, on our roster with the thirtieth overall pick." Like, they need wide receiver depth in the worst way. Like, we saw what happened last year when Ross is off the field along with AJ off the field. They couldn't stretch the field, and even with a better quarterback, 
you, you would think that we wouldn't need to surround him with this all pro level talent of receiver at all, all three or four spots. But even to a certain extent, you, I mean, you need guys who can just stretch the field and who can separate vertically on those deep routes. And that's exactly what T Higgins can do, even though he doesn't run the sub four five forty. So he might be full receiver five right now. If Ross gets hurt again, if green suffers another injury, that that's, that's depth that gets utilized immediately. And again, when, when you're in an offense that should be in a lot of these four receiver sets and a lot of 10 personnel, a lot of, you know, um, just five receiver sets and go empty and just count on Burrow getting the ball out quickly enough in those empty protections, you're going to have Higgins on the field along with Tate, along with your other three top receivers. So uh, he is an immediate contributor, whether you believe it or not, even if he's wide receiver five, they can't count on some of these receivers to stay healthy. They don't know if some of these receivers are going to be on the field or on the team in 2021. Like he is an immediate contributor with immediate value in the future, and, and that, that that's worth something. Uh, yeah, it's 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 tough to it's tough to swallow to say your second round pick and and basically a what what is an extension of the first round at number thirty three is a number five player on the depth chart. But I think you bring up a good point, John, that a lot of these. In the wide receiver group, they're going to put out a lot of guys at the same time. They're going to have four or five wide receivers right. that's often. And there it's it's going to be, hey, who who's open? Who's open? Who's and and obviously play designs to specific players, but uh it's kind of a pick or poison, I think. And that's and that's a good thing. The Rams like to run a lot of four wide receiver sets, and they did that when Zach Taylor was there. They did that. They split out all kinds of receivers and used backs in the passing game at LSU with Joe Burrow. So undoubtedly, they're looking to implement some sort of uh, of a similar scheme. So even if you say he's wide receiver four, wide receiver five right away, that doesn't mean he's not getting the ball. That doesn't mean he's not getting snaps. One comparison. Uh, I, I want, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say real quick, last year, when um, Damian Willis was was surging on the depth chart, when he was making all these plays, the training camp preseason, the guy throwing him the ball is Ryan Finley. There was an obvious connection with both of those rookies playing on the same second string team. There was an immediate connection, a chemistry. It's really why Damian Willis got the starting nod in week one. Like, all cards are on the table for who Burrow is going to connect with the best on the team. And it very well could be Higgins, like you said, because he worked out with him in, right. in the offseason around the combine. There can be an immediate connection, and the coaches may want to get Higgins onto the field as much as possible because maybe Burrow will be comfortable throwing to him. It, it's not. It's not this um, because you have a new quarterback in there. You know all, all this chemistry that you have with Dalton. It, it goes off the table now. It, Higgins could be Burrow's you know top three target that he's most comfortable throwing to because, like we've talked about, he he fits a lot for what he he was most productive in terms of you know throwing to routes and throwing throwing to you know different type of play concepts. On the field, like he fits exactly what Burrow likes to do in terms of targeting a receiver. So the, even if he's wide receiver five on the depth chart, they can implement a bunch of different packages to get him on the field and running these certain routes that Burrow likes to target. And there could be an immediate connection that gets him even not only just on the field a lot more, but even productive at, at the early stages of his career. And one option that uh, potentially could be that may have been actually. Secretly, or uh, I guess sneakily, I don't know if sneakily is a word, but uh, could be, <laughs> could have been a sneaky dark horse pick just went off the board for Tennessee, and that is Christian Fulton, the cornerback out of LSU. So um, I know the Bengals like to collect cornerbacks and usually like to draft them in the first couple of rounds, 
even with the massive amount of money they spent on the secondary this offseason and free agency, um, you know, Fulton could have been a guy at the top of the third. If he, if he was sitting there, you say, well, you know, why the heck not? So he's off the board. Uh, Tennessee, someone had said, oh, Tennessee's going to take Josh Jones here. Well, Tennessee, I believe, took Isaiah Wilson in the first round. So right. um, I don't think they were going to double dip there. Um, you have a couple of other things here. Now, Green Bay is going to be interesting at 62. Then you, you've got Green Bay at 62, Kansas City at 63, Seattle to round out the, the, the second round of the draft, and then the Bengals are on the clock. Um, so Green Bay is going to be very interesting here, John, because they, for lack of better words, pissed off their franchise quarterback last night. Um, in, no, they did. <laughs> in their in their selection of Jordan Love. And I think that Aaron Rodgers thought that they were going to get him help, whether that's offensive line help, whether that's skill position help, who knows? This could be a this could be a and the pick is in for the Green Bay. This could be where a Josh Jones potentially comes off the board. Uh, they could also sure. look at maybe some wide receivers. Um, you know, maybe maybe an athletic pass catching tight end. That's you know, I, I think they're going to try to appease Aaron Rodgers by getting him some help of some kind here. I was shocked to see like they they never drafted a an offensive player in the first round in like ten years or something like that with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. And the first time they did it was it was another quarterback. So they took AJ Dillon, the running back at a Boston College. Interesting. Wow. That probably would have not been who I. Yeah, I think I would have lost some money on that. Yeah. Um, especially with the uh, he's a good player though, AJ Dillon. Um, Oh, I mean, to be two hundred, nearly two hundred fifty pounds on a four, five, forty running back, that that has some value at some point in the draft. I'm not sure it's second round, but right, that, that's impressive. <laughs> so I think we will try and stream the. We're going to try and attempt to stream the pick again. We tried to do the live stream through our actual, just kind of on the Streamyard video itself yesterday it was a little choppy and took a little while to load so we may try that again here in just a second and test it out um otherwise uh we may we may make do another way but we want to try and get that as as it's announced here so um let's try and cue that i will try and cue that up and see if we can get something going here we hope you guys enjoyed that last night it was kind of an impromptu show a little bit in terms of how we ran it we want normally we've, we're pretty structured in terms of running segments and stuff, but with the draft, you know, you got to play jazz a little bit. Um, got to improvise <laughs> on the fly. And uh, if the NFL is doing it, then we have no excuse, you know. Right. Right. Exactly. Also, one thing I want to. Uh, we're going to share towards the end of the episode before we get out of here. There's some things. I have been sent from representation, those those with uh, Joe Burrow kind of showing some things he's done in the community and stuff. So we're probably going to share it like a short video of some stuff he's done courtesy of Lowe's and uh, let you know about some other opportunities to get some some Joe Burrow memorabilia. Um, there's some there's some cool stuff out there, whether you're a trading card nut or something of the like. Um, we've been in touch with some some folks that are in Joe Burrow's camp and uh they wanted to share some stuff that he's been doing. We are trying 
Uh, definitely not promising anything here. We have been trying to get him on the program, believe it or not. There is interest there. Unfortunately, he's just very, very booked up already. Um, yeah, so uh, not saying it will happen, not saying it won't, but we have been in contact with some representatives of Joe Burrow and trying to get him on the program. Hopefully that'll take place at some point. No promises there, but, uh, you know, who knows? We've had some good luck with some high-profile guests recently with Anthony Munoz, Solomon Wilcott, Sicky Woods, Tim McGee, Dahani Jones. The list goes on and on. So hopefully they will see that and uh, some things will open up and we'll get him on the program to – and you can wear your shades and shirt again, John. That would be – It wouldn't be as professional, but it would be tempting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going through my board right now. I'm trying to count how many uh, of each tiers, if each player in each tier is available. I, Jones is by far the best player available, and I think that's been represented. What on number? What ESPN. number was he on your board? I, I don't do the vertical rankings. I just do like just positional rankings, and then I group everybody in, into tiers. So I, I guess Jones would have been somewhere in like in, in the teens, I guess overall ranking because he was one of my only first round graded players, but I don't I don't have an exact number on him, but he's obviously extremely high right now. So we're gonna try and stream this here. Uh I I don't know how choppy that is, but uh maybe a little choppy streaming streaming upon streaming. We may we may have a little choppiness here. Um so we'll test it out here and if not we'll try and find another way. If it doesn't seem to work well we'll try and find another way. But it worked well last night for, for for the backup plan. It did, yes. Your way worked. <laughs> Your way worked. So we've got the TV stream going. It just uh, yeah, it might be a little choppy here. Ken Dibble says, sounds like John has battles with this family. Like I, I, I don't, honestly. Like, my mom has been a Steelers fan for as long as she can remember. She tried to make me one um, because her family was a Steelers fan. I decided to be a Bengals fan because my friends were, and I liked the uniforms and the helmet. And that's honestly, like, I think why a lot of people choose their fandom, really. It's it's just you're you're six years old, and you just care about what colors you like at that, at that moment. So, um that's kind of how that happened. I don't know. I, I I don't have this irrational hate for the Steelers because I'm, I I have people that I care about that like them, and I understand why they like them because of those certain connections. So, no, I don't have a lot of personal battles with my family. My dad was also a Browns fan when he was growing up, too. So you've got it all from, from all angles here. Yeah. Willie Gay went to the Chiefs. That was so. That was a player I was going to ask you about. Um, someone had brought him up in the chat. You know, we're talking about all these different guys. Um, that was an, a, a guy I was going to ask you about. You know, obviously he had, you know, suspended eight games by NCAA for academic violations. Um, injured Mississippi State quarterback Garrett Schrader um, because of a fight. So a lot of yikes with this kid. <laughs> But the talent is there. He was one of the guys you had previewed. I think he was your very first prospect watch guy that you did for Yeah, him. he was. Um, so very, 
interesting that to see him here. Now we're just a pick away. The Panthers are on the clock, and then the Bengals will be on the clock. John, do you want to? How's this stream coming through? Should we should we try it the other way, or should we leave this as is? Uh, yeah, it's still. A, you you want to just you want to just use my screen? It's a little choppy, and it's also behind a little bit. Right now, the Panthers traded up to the 64th pick. Um, so they, the pick oh, they, they traded with Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as soon as the as soon as the Bengals pick is in, I will put the computer in front of the TV and we will go silent for a little bit for okay. you guys. What do you What do you think about Willie Gay? I mean, I, 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 Andy Reid has kind of taken on some of these problem children before. Um, and it's but it's done, you know, Tyreek Hill, etc. It's worked out for him. What do you think of that? Um, I, it, I like what you see on on the field. I, I think relative. It's important to contextualize his production. In his one year of starting, he only played like seven games, and in the seven games, he was pretty productive relative to what you look for at linebackers, sole tackle market share. The athleticism is exactly what you want. You want speed. You want explosion at the position. That's indicative of future success. Um, he's really young coming out, so there's, there's room for development there. I think I, I had him as, you know, just a day two player. I had him behind, I believe, Akeem Davis-Gaither and uh, Patrick Queen, am among others, and Jordan Brooks. So he's probably my linebacker four if you wanted to do, do it that way. I think 65 would have been fine to take him because of that athleticism, because of that youth, and also – I think if the Bengals did take him, they were comfortable with his character because they employed his former linebacker coach, Tim Lukabu, who is now the defense coordinator for the Boston College Golden uh, Eagles. So there would have been that connection there that would have helped solidify that um, that trust with him as a person. But obviously, we will never know now because he was taking a couple picks before. So the Panthers' pick is in. The Bengals are on the clock. We don't know. Uh, there's some people – saying who, who the Panthers may have, have taken here, and it is not one of the couple of names that we're thinking. We'll, we'll confirm that in just a second, and then I think we'll set up the, the stream in just a second beyond that. But the Panthers pick is in, and then the Bengals are on the clock. They've got a big decision to make here. The other thing, you just said his name, and we haven't talked about it. This is a little bit getting into Akeem Davis-Gaither territory. Right. Um, they yeah. showed they showed immense interest in Akeem Davis Gaither in the pre-draft process. The thing is, he had surgery on his foot in May. Supposedly going to be fine for the regular season, etc. But undoubtedly, that's caused him to drop a really interesting player and a guy that could help their biggest positional weakness. Um, so he could be in play here. It might be a little early for that, but third round. Um, you know, good player, good tape, athletic, a little small, but a guy they seem to like. I, I don't qualify T. Higgins as being like the surprise, what the hell are the Bengals doing pick? So it could come here and it could be a guy like Akeem Davis Gibber, who many people at this point think is probably going to last to the fourth round because of that medical, because he didn't test. Bengals saw him at the senior bowl. They, they know he has a skill set that they don't have. They know that he won't have to come in and immediately start. He can just be a guy that they plug in there on third down, be just extremely solid in coverage, give him even pass rushing versatility, even though you don't trust him to be a full-time edge player. Again, like you said, vers he, he's just a guy that you can line up in the box and offenses don't exactly know what he's going to do. And I think that's exactly what they want. I think it's probably going to be the pick if it's not Josh Jones. Or I'm, I'm sorry, 
a player like that. So it could be Zach Bond. It could be Terrell Lewis. It could be King Davis Gaither. A player like that is probably going to be the pick if it's not Josh Jones. So if, if it is the pick, it won't surprise me. And it'll, it'll, it'll just be somebody that I think the Bengals have a lot of connections to. Yeah. There's some chatter also about, uh, about Logan Wilson potentially being in the mix for the Bengals here at 65, but um, we'll, we'll see how, accurate that is again as of now the panthers pick is in we are at commercial break on the tv feed um as it as it is so they'll be announcing that oh boy the pick just got leaked i saw it i'm not gonna say it though Well, if it's if it's who the name I'm seeing, he was a player in a lot of pre-draft coverage of today. I heard, I believe it was, I believe it was Lewis Riddick uh, of ESPN who gushed about this specific player. So we'll see here in just a minute. The Panthers' pick is in, and then the Bengals will go on the clock at number 65. From there, we'll we'll hang for a little bit longer, talk about the pick, the fit of the player, and then we will get out of here. There's a lot more coverage to be had. We will be taking the air at least once, if not multiple times tomorrow, maybe in the, you know, uh, after the the conclusion of the fifth round, and then maybe at the end of the end of the draft to kind of put a bow on it. But um, that's uh, – Maybe we'll take the air again tonight, or I will. We'll see. We're kind of playing it by ear here a little bit. But Jeremy Chin, the athletic, athletic safety from Southern Illinois, is the pick for the Panthers. Um, wonder if he was kind of one of those hybrid players the Bengals would have looked at as well. Yeah. Um, people have been calling him, like, the small school version of Isaiah Simmons. Um, at least he produced at his small school, unlike Kyle Duggar. But, again, great athlete will provide a lot of versatility. The Panthers passed on Isaiah Simmons in the first round, so I, I think getting Chin here, trading up for Chin in the second round, it, it, it could definitely pay dividends for them. But the Bengals now on the clock, and we're going to put uh, my screen in front of my TV so you guys can see it live. Yeah, we're going to do it a little different. We liked it. We wanted to stream it through the system itself, but we did this last night. It ended up working out pretty well in terms of quality. Um, we <laughs> we kind of had to make do just because – the streaming situation, not only making sure that we in, keep the integrity of our broadcast in terms of audio, video, etc., cetera, but uh, you know, if we played it the other way, it might've been laggy and we didn't want that. So with that, uh, John's going to queue up some volume here in just a second. We're going to give you the pick of the announcement. Apparently the pick is in the Bengals are set to deliver their pick at number 65. So John, take it away. Trevor wrestled at Dickinson State. Uh, what can we tell DJ about Logan Wilson? 
Well, I think you're going to look back five years from now, we're going to talk about this being one of the best picks in this year's draft class. This kid reminds me so much of Fred Warner as you go back and look at him in his high school tape as a DB, and you see what he does in coverage at the college level. You can see how he started at the back end of the defense before he moved up once he got to the collegiate level there at Wyoming. He just got phenomenal coverability. His ability to, to be an athlete, moving space, match up, range sideline to sideline. You just see all of this high school athleticism. It pops when you study this kid on the college field. As we get to it right here, you can see he's quick to see it, sort it, and then he goes. There's no hesitation to this game whatsoever. And when you're in a division with Lamar Jackson and company, you better be able to play sideline to sideline and make plays. That's what Logan Wilson does. I love this pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, there you see what they've done. They went Brian and Ellison and the T. Higgins on the first two picks, and now they've the defensive side. Solid shirt, by the way. We've got to get up a little bit on that part. So you heard it. So no Josh Jones, no Zach Bond, Logan Wilson. We have uh, some mixed opinions in in the chat in terms of what uh, their the fans thought. Oh, and by the way, one pick later, Antonio Gibson, my guy, the wide receiver mm -hmm. running back to Washington. The so very interesting here, John. Look. He's not the name of, of Bond. He, he, you know, Bond carried a lot of weight with this team in terms of the name. You look at the school, Wyoming. Listen to the words of Daniel Jeremiah in that breakdown. He said that this player could be one of the best players in this draft class. He, he's got he, – when he says he reminds you of Fred Warner of the San Francisco 49ers, that's what I like. I saw someone in here saying I'm done with this team. Uh, slow, lame linebackers, <laughs> fine, whatever. Uh, if, if if this if you're not excited by what the team has done this so far, I I don't know what to tell you. But I'll say this, John. This is not a, an athletic testing Nick Vigil. Is he going to put it on the field type of guy? This is a guy who's very instinctive. This is a guy who is around the football and he makes a lot of plays. It's it's a you know interior linebacker guy. I think I heard today he had 10 interceptions as an interior linebacker, which is insane. Granted, the level of competition isn't really there, but I think there's a lot to like here. The concerns with Logan Wilson, and that's why I had him just below, I think, Malik Henderson or Malik Harrison. Um, he actually shares my exact birthday. I'm going to be 24 in, in July. So he turns 24 on July 8th. So he's on the older side. And then he played at Wyoming, so the strength of schedule wasn't exactly great. Linebackers, even ones who produce at a, at a high level, which Logan Wilson did. He had really good production at Wyoming. Guys who were old, playing in low strength of schedule. It's hard for them to become you know, high-quality linebackers. And that's my one concern with him. I don't have any concerns with the athleticism. I, I think he's a better overall athlete than Jermaine Pratt, who only tested, mind you, um, in, in the – the 40-yard dash and the vertical jumps. Jermaine Pratt was a fast linebacker who didn't have a lot of explosion with him. Logan Wilson, all around for his size, is a, is a pretty good athlete. Um, I think he's better than Nick Vigil in that regard. And I, like you said, the, the instincts are there. The the awareness and zone coverage is, is there. You, 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 wanna, you, you hope that it translates against NFL competition after going from uh, the Mountain West, which is where my, Wyoming plays, it does concern you that he was producing as a 23-year-old player 
uh, going up against these small school guys. So there is concern there. You know, I I can understand some slight frustration with Josh Jones and Zach Bond being on the board. You have to wonder if this guy was truly the best player available. At, At a certain point, I think they wanted to address linebacker early. And considering the other linebackers on the board, if you take him over just Akeem Davis, Gaither, and Malik Harrison, I can live with that. I think the Bengals, I think Bengals fans overall can live with that. At the end of the day, you're not asking him to play a lot of snaps early, but you know, if you don't trust Josh Bynes to be in coverage on third down, I think that's where you can ask Logan Wilson to do because he has obviously experience and production in that role as a, a, a player who can move well and fluid in space and read the quarterback's eyes and trust his instincts. Uh, the the age and the strength of schedule concerns me, and it's going to be tough for him to be anything more than a long term starter. But I think if he does become a long term starter, it, it it will be a good pick, just like Daniel Jeremiah said. He's just got a nose to to be around the football, John. I mean, tackles, tackles, tackles. Look at these statistics: ninety four total tackles, one hundred eleven total tackles, ninety nine total tackles, one hundred and five total tackles, and this is in fewer games than what you play in the pros. Uh, so. You know, I, you got to like that. 34 and a half tackles for loss in his career, seven sacks, 10 interceptions, including four last year, three in his first year as a starter, two of those returned for touchdowns, four fumble recoveries, 14 passes defended, and five forced fumbles. He just ma- kind of makes plays. The question is, like you said, the age, how, you know, as, as we get to him writing out the end of his rookie contract. You know, you're, you're talking about someone who's going to be 28 or so years old. You know, how is this a second contract player for you? I know you don't really want to look at it that way, but I mean, if you're looking to solidify a linebacker, interior linebacker of the future, you're hoping that this is probably a two contract player who knows, given his age. The other thing of course is the level of competition is is this athleticism and immense tape that he has, is this going to show up on Sundays against NFL caliber talent? Who knows? I, I like the pick. I'm not absolutely over the moon about it, but I think it's a good pick that fills pretty decent value and a major need. They were going to, they got it. They had to have addressed defense in these first three picks. I'm glad they went linebacker after given the run that happened in the first round. I'm glad they went linebacker after wide receiver uh in that order so um that that's kind of my thoughts i think it's i think he's a pretty good pick i don't know that he'll ever be a superstar but should be a a solidifying presence for the linebacker group i do feel kind of stupid for not even mentioning him and picks that are likely to happen because he was my prediction for pick 33 if the board fell a certain way because um he actually had an in-person meeting with the Bengals before coronavirus kind of put a wrench in everyone's plans but Bengals and pff typically agree on certain evaluations, they obviously had Joe Burrow being the best quarterback prospect in the history of their college grading. They had T. <laughs> Higgins as the first-round player. And Logan Wilson, since 2017, um, has a PFF grade of 93.3, a run defense grade of 91.1, a pass rushing grade of 90.5, and a coverage grade of 91.1. It's all relative to strength and schedule. It's all relative to competition. Again, he's playing against Mountain West guys. And I think Nick, Nick, Nick Vigil also came from the Mountain West. But that, that's what you want. You want guys who dominate at that strength of schedule if that's what he's going up against. Hopefully it translates. I think he has the athleticism to translate. He produced enough to, to make me you know, confident that he can last long in the NFL. It's just a matter of you know, get, getting him out there early, seeing how 
He handles these coverage responsibilities that he's undoubtedly going to be asked to do. But size-wise, production-wise, the instinctual-wise, the film matches, the PFF grades match. Uh, I think I think the 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 resentment here is just the other players that were still on the board. Obviously, something's going on with Josh Jones if he still hasn't been been picked yet. Something's going on with Zach Bond if he still hasn't been picked yet. Logan Wilson was going to get picked in round in, somewhere in day two. We didn't know where, but I don't think this is necessarily a, a reach considering what the NFL thought of him. This is this is not taking Drew Sample in the second round. This is taking a guy that who's probably top five at his position in this class and going about where I think a lot of people expected him to go. The the Bengals' next pick, as they currently sit, is is at the top of the fourth round. They're you know they still may be looking to move an, an Andy Dalton and get a day three pick if they're able. Um, you know we'll see how they maneuver that situation. The thing with Josh Jones, this seems to have, and granted he could go in the next couple of picks here. We'll see, but this this has happened before. If you remember when when the Bengals drafted Anthony Collins, granted that was a while ago. Anthony Collins was originally looked at as a, a first-round type of talent, a second-round type of talent that they got in the fourth round. And Anthony Collins was a good, versatile player for them for quite a while. Now, didn't start all the time, but was it was a decent player for them for quite a while. Maybe this is – there's something there that with Josh Jones that teams don't like. The same thing, if you remember, Christian Westerman. Uh, granted, guard isn't as valuable as a tackle, but Christian Westerman was thought of by many people to be a second-round prospect, and he fell all the way to the fifth, and he could not – the, the, the knock on him was that he could not mentally grasp concepts. He was not trusted to do the right thing in the lineup. So I don't, I don't want to speculate, but these are the types of things maybe that cause certain players to fall. A lot of people are upset. Why not tackle? Why not tackle? I'm seeing all the comments here. I'm giving up on the team. Should have picked Jones, all this kind of stuff. Okay. How are you to give up on the team from a third round pick? <laughs> like right. guys, maybe, maybe three of these guys that they draft are going to do anything. Like honestly, I don't think I don't think it, people realize how rare it is for teams to draft four or five or six guys who are going to be legitimate contenders on on your team. Uh, in the third round, it's not worth getting upset over a pick. I'm seeing people saying he's a slower Nick Vigil. Nick Vigil, Vigil's athleticism was not necessarily a problem. His processing speed was always the problem. He read he he could not stay in his run fits. He could not diagnose where the ball carrier was. I don't think that's a problem with Logan Wilson. I think that helps him because he was in college for so long and he's so experienced and he's, he's old. He, he's not going to have that issues going in. Uh, if you're this upset about a third round pick, man, I, I question really your rationale with all of this. Well, the other thing with vigil too, is he had problems shedding blocks uh, at times, you know, he, he would kind of get caught up in the wash a little bit and not be able to disengage and make, make plays. Now it seemed as if he would make one kind of impactful tackle for loss and interception here and there. But for that, for every one of those, there were missed tackles. There were other issues that, that came up. This, this kid, where he does not come up in the measurable areas that Vigil may have in terms of the shuttle and the, the 40 and all that kind of stuff that intrigued a lot of teams when the Bengals took him, like you said, the processing speed. And sometimes that can more than make up for the, the athletics if you don't have the diagnosing skills and this kid seems to have it like i said he's around the football a lot and he makes a lot of big plays at a minimum nobody likes go ahead go ahead no i mean at a minimum this guy should be the Bengals have used third round picks on vigil pj dawson all the they're not working out this kid could be that or at a minimum should be at least a marginal improvement from any of those guys nobody likes clowning the Bengals more than me 
Like I, I will not be afraid to call them out on dumbass decisions. That's what that's what I did when they signed Preston Brown. That's what I did when they signed Bobby Hart. I look at picking Logan Wilson the third. Whoever else is on the board, be damned. And I'm not saying you should jump over, jump off the ledge because of it. And if I'm saying that, like you, you shouldn't be doing either. Either. Well, it's polarizing. That's for sure. It is a polarizing pick, I, I think. And and this is part of the draft process. I'm going to tell you what, though. There's going to be quite a few talking heads. They're going to tell you tomorrow that they like what these what the Bengals have done with these first three picks. And then you mentioned PFF. We're very high on all three of these guys. So there, there's going to be people that, for those who seem to be upset, if you really take stock into what PFF says, what the talking heads say, these, I, I think you'll find that the, that the Bengals are probably going to get some pretty high marks for what they've done so far in these first three picks. They may not be done in the third round. There are other players that are, are on the board they could look at. So Zach Bond, Josh Jones still available as we sit here at pick 70, a long way to go in the third round. Those guys, by most accounts, probably would be gone. Let's look at maybe if you consider those guys being gone, at this, uh, by the time the fourth round rolls around, John, what are some guys you think the Bengals should be looking at? Some names we should be looking at at, at number four. One guy that pops out to me, Prince Tega Winogo, uh, uh, yeah. the, the tackle from Auburn. Uh, you know, I think I, if I remember correctly, I think the Bengals showed a little bit of pre-draft interest in him as well. A guy who's a little bit of a project, but has a lot of raw skill. That could be a guy that you look at in the fourth round. Maybe even an Adam Troutman. A guy that uh, pass catching tight end. If you want to add another weapon there, that could be a guy you look at. He's still currently available, though he probably will. This is probably the round in three where he would go. But those are two guys I think are pretty interesting right now. Um, aside from, of course, Bond and and Jones. Um, who else? Who else? Do you, uh, Davis Gaither, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the my board right now. Obviously, Josh Jones is still available. He might go to Miami here. I haven't looked to, to Twitter to see if that's the pick. Other tackles, though, uh, aside from Tego Winogo, Lucas Niang, who's projected to go in the fourth, I think would be a great guy to, to develop a tackle. Uh, Sadiq Charles, if they're comfortable yeah. with the character, would be yeah, a good guy. Good Matt Purt is still available. Um, ben Barch, if he lasts that long, would be fantastic for exactly what they need, a guy who has guard tackle versatility. If they want to continue an offensive line, they met with Cameron Clark the guy from Charlotte who dominated against Clemson. So he may even be off be an option there um, at, at uh, continue on defense though. Alex Highsmith, a guy that uh, we had the, the pleasure of interviewing on this channel. He is still available and he could be around the fourth round. Uh, de depending on how his medical is, Ter Terrell Lewis could still be an option. Um, Justin Matabuke is still available. McTelvin um, Agam, who is a three technique out of Arkansas. I think he fits a lot for what they would look at for a potential Geno Atkins error. And again, if they want to double dip a linebacker, Davis Gaither could still be there. Malik Harrison could still be there. Davion Taylor, who is another senior bowl guy, he could also still be there. Well, I would assume edge rusher, maybe even a linebacker, and definitely in offensive line, both interior and at tackle, have to be on the list, the to-do list going forward here. Who knows? We may have an extra pick for the Cincinnati Bengals if they wheel and deal and maybe deal Andy Dalton, get that contract off the books or something of that nature. Um, I don't think that unless, unless they feel that they really do want Josh Jones and, you know, maybe they move back in here towards the end of the third, but I, I don't see that really being the case. I think they probably sit and wait because a lot of talented guys have fallen to them at top tops of rounds. Um, yeah. So Mikey is, is out. He's finding a new team. Uh, uh, guys, 
they, these issues don't matter that much when you have a good quarterback. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl with uh, I, like Reggie Raglan and um, uh, Anthony Hitches at linebacker. Like th- their defense was built upon the defensive line, and they were able to score a lot of points. Like having that, having okay linebackers is not a detriment to your team. It's not a detriment to your defense. People look at linebackers for the Bengals, and they haven't had any good players there. They haven't had anybody who can move. First of all, Logan Wilson is a good athlete, so that don't, that, that shouldn't even be an issue. He right. is able to he is able to diagnose what he sees in front of him. He is able to play in space, but he, even still, like Bengals fans have these perceptions about certain positions that they think matter so much because it's all about building a perfect roster around a quarterback that isn't able to carry the team. They don't have that issue anymore. They have a franchise quarterback. They have a quarterback where he don't need to have a completely healthy roster to be competitive late in the year. These issues don't matter as much. If they're confident in Logan Wilson being developed under Josh Bynes, who, by the way, Logan Wilson might not even play that much this year. Any linebacker that they would have drafted, aside from maybe a guy that drafted around, at the top of round two, he wouldn't really play that much this year. He would play a little bit in the sub packages. He would be utilized in coverage. But at the end of the day, they're comfortable with Bynes and Pratt starting. You only have two linebackers on the field, even when you're in your base defense, which is the, at this point is a 3-4. So you have two inside linebackers. Logan Wilson fits that profile from a long-term perspective very well. Again, he's old. He played at Wyoming. There's risk in that in terms of him becoming a high-quality player. Like, I don't think this is a pick. <laughs> you blocked Mikey for five minutes. Yeah. It's, Sorry, I, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, he's calling people names. It's, I mean, come on. I, it, to be quite honest with you, I understand if you don't like the pick. I, I And you're, I, I, let, I let people voice their opinions. We let people voice their opinions in the chat. And on, uh, I mean, if you're going to call the people names and curse at them, I, I, it's just, come on. But this should be, it should be a fun time. I imagine, imagine saying you're going to give up on the team when Joe Burrow is coming to town. I, I, that I just don't understand. Look, I said it before. If the Bengals are able to protect the passer, build up an offense, and get after another team's passer, that's what's going to get them to be the to be the most successful. They have the back end talent on the secondary. They have questions at linebacker. Undoubtedly, you now have Logan Wilson and Josh Bynes. You add an, another edge rotational edge rusher, etc. You can win with that formula even with okay linebacker play you don't need to you don't need to freak out over the fact that the angles you know maybe drafted a linebacker you did not want so look I, i'm fine with the pick i saw someone else say bucky brooks tweeted out that the Bengals may have drafted a star in logan wilson so look and this is part of the process i you know we're not sitting here saying this is a perfect draft etc but the Bengals have drafted talent They've added talent, they've addressed needs, and they've got Joe Burrow coming to town. So you, you have to pretty much kind of say, hey, you know, let, let's roll with it. I, I, there's some talent they're bringing in. Uh, and I, I don't think a lot of us can be that surprised about the lack of offensive line. It was the perception that they were at least comfortable with what they have, and unless they unless they themselves saw a major upgrade that they could acquire, they weren't going to probably take it early. And I think a lot of us thought that Josh Jones could be that guy either at 33 or definitely, definitely at 65. We're now 71 picks into this draft and Josh Jones is still to be drafted. I don't know if that's a misfire in terms of an evaluation standpoint or there's just a mystery medical issue that we just haven't known about. But the Bengals have been on record for saying that they like the five projected starters at the offensive line. So we can't be too surprised that they right. didn't address it in, in some capacity. Yeah, Ravens just drafted Matabuke, by the way. Good pick for them. Um, yeah. 
they just they that team knows how to draft, man. They are they've <laughs> they've drafted a lot of good players. But yeah, we're gonna get out of here in just a minute. This is the Orange and Black Insider. We're going long, but this is the day two covering the second round and third rounds of the NFL draft. Thanks for joining with us and and chiming in. Hey, even even the guys who do not like the picks, we're fine with that until you start maybe name calling other people and being antagonistic. We can't really hang with that. But we welcome everybody on the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Get this show however you can. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and Cincy Jungle. Thanks for tuning in. John, we've got more picks tomorrow. We'll see what else is on tap. The Bengals may make a move to get another pick. or they may. Last year in the fourth round, I believe, is when they were maneuvering and making moves, right? They traded up to get Michael Jordan. Uh, I think they traded yeah. up to get Ryan Finley. Um, so maybe that's where they're a little more comfortable playing. They also had a lot of picks last year, but maybe that's where they're maybe a little bit more comfortable making a move up. If the slide of a Zach Bond of, you know, uh, a Josh Jones continues, by the way, you know, there, there are, there, there he goes, Josh Jones. Yeah. He just went to, he just went to Arizona right there. Okay. So he's, he's gone at number 72 overall. Good pick for them. Good value. Look, there the last year, if you remember, remember Mac Wilson? This was a guy we were talking yeah. about going to the Bengals in the second round. He went all the way to the Browns in the fifth or sixth round. There are things that happen. Guys inexplicably fall, and it just happens. So, uh, you know, teams value guys differently, and the fan concept of a player is not always in alignment with an NFL concept of a player. But that's, that's kind of all there is to say about it. Uh, I, and I don't think it – it necessarily validates the Bengals passing up on Jones twice. If there's nothing wrong with his medical, I, I think it, it's just the NFL just missed on this guy. And for whatever reason, he lasted 71 picks and he goes to Arizona, who I don't believe has addressed an offensive tackle yet. And they were projected to get one in the first, in the first round. So now they have Isaiah Simmons and, and Josh Jones, which is a, a great two, great two picks in the first two rounds. But if you were to tell me that, the Bengals were planning to trade in round four, which I think is going to happen. They decided to stay put at 33. They got a receiver that works well with Burrow. They got a linebacker who is can play well in space. It could be an asset in coverage down the line. Productive and I would be happy with that. Exactly. I would be happy with that. I, I Again, I, I want to make this very clear. I have no issue clowning the Bengals for when they do things stupid because they do a lot of stupid right. things. I have, I have no issue calling them out on their stupidity. I don't think this was a bad day two for them. I think they did a lot of things right. I, I would have went a couple different directions, but I like their plan. I like the players that they brought in. I think they handled this day fine. Yep. So as of now, Joe Burrow, number one overall, T Higgins, number 33 overall, and linebacker Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, number 65 overall. Biggest needs remaining edge rusher, offensive tackle, interior offensive line, uh, maybe an additional linebacker. Uh, those are, those are in maybe no particular order, but kind of in that order, I guess. Uh, those are kind of the biggest remaining needs for the Bengals going into day three. Yep. Well, let's get out of here. We're going, we're going long, John, as, as always, thank you for, for your great contributions to this show. It's been a lot of fun and uh, we've, we've kind of got creative with how we've streamed stuff and uh, covered the draft, but it's been a lot of fun so far. I know it's been a lot of work, but for my end, it's, it's always fun talking football and Bengals with you, especially at NFL draft time. Yeah, I had to had to put on my hat about halfway in there because I realized my hair was not looking good. I need, I mean, just like Burrow, man, I need a haircut right now. 
Really well, badly. you got the you got the Bud Light seltzer hair. Um, not an advertiser yeah, of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not an advertiser of the show, by the way. Just throwing that out there. And yes, someone just asked his bond still there. I believe he is. Um, who knows what happens here over the next handful of picks, but he could be there uh, by the time the Bengals take the clock tomorrow. Keep it to CincyJungle.com for all of your news, opinions, analysis, and uh, podcasts like ours. We will also be coming at you live tomorrow a couple of times. Times are a little bit to be determined right now. I'm thinking probably by the conclusion of the fifth round and then maybe at the end of the uh, of the draft to kind of tie a bow on everything. But our show has been cranking out shows. Uh, sorry if I spit when I speak. Hoji Smoji and Daddy McDuke, along with John Sheeran, have been putting out another show or two here and there uh the boys orange is the new black they're putting out shows mac minnick's doing a lot of work so check out all our, our slate of podcasts how you can and we will see you tomorrow for day three the final day of the draft anything else before we bounce on out of here john yeah um i'm good actually you sure i was gonna go somewhere i thought i was gonna go somewhere and i know i know we're tired but it's good it's fun yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see you tomorrow, my friend. See you, man.